This episode contains graphic content that may be disturbing or traumatizing to some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The question at the heart of every mystery isn't who, nor is it what, when, where, or even how. You can solve a lot of crimes or launch wildly successful true crime podcasts by answering those five questions, but you'll never solve the mystery until you know why. Why is where the meaning lies where the significance is found. It's the reason for everything that's happened and the reason we dig so relentlessly in all those other questions. Why is the answer to the unanswerable, the explanation for the unexplainable, the sense from the senselessness, or sometimes? Because here's the tricky part. In striving to answer that most elusive question, why, we have to be prepared not to find an answer, or even worse, to learn there is no answer. There's always a who, a what, when, where, and how, but as much as we might wish otherwise, as much as our logical brains tell us things cannot be otherwise, there isn't always a why. Why is the question that defines and defies us? Because in every case, it's the only question that really matters. When 41-year-old Christina Parcell was brutally murdered on the morning of October 13, 2021, it stunned the suburban community of Greer, South Carolina, raising all of those questions. Even more questions were raised when we reported on the staged crime scene, complete with the sprinkled roses around her body. Shortly after Parcell's murder, news broke of the arrest of her boyfriend, Bradley Post, as well as the father of her young daughter, a self-styled music producer named John Mello. While still in shock, the community breathed a small sigh of relief, believing the murder of Parcell was on the cusp of being solved, and more importantly, that it wasn't some random act of unspeakable violence. Maybe it was a scorned lover, or an angry, jealous father, but it sure seemed like someone who knew her was responsible. And that, well... That was significantly less frightening for the community to wrap its collective mind around than the horrific stabbing of a woman inside her suburban home by some random stranger on a crisp fall morning. But when the charges against Post and Mello were filed, neither man was charged with murder. As our listeners now know, Post was arrested on charges of sexual exploitation of a minor tied to a child porn and abuse investigation. Mello? He was charged with custodial interference after taking his daughter out of the country in violation of a court order. Sexual exploitation, custodial interference, but no murder charges. Then came the big reveal. During the course of the investigation, investigators obtained a lead. Uh, this was not from a tip. This was one that they, uh, they worked on and developed that led them to a person of interest identified as 29-year-old Zachary David Hughes. Investigators discovered physical evidence that linked Hughes to the crime and ultimately led to investigators to believe him to be the person responsible for killing Christina Parcell. Hughes turned himself in at the law enforcement center yesterday afternoon and is currently in Greenville County Detention Center where he's facing charges of murder and possession of a weapon during a violent crime. Last week's episode was all about Zachary Hughes 
Why did this undeniably, unbelievably gifted young musician violently murder a woman with whom he had no apparent connection? Again, did you catch that question? Why? We've talked a lot about the other questions. About Hugh's DNA being found under his victim Christina Parcell's fingernails. About him being captured on multiple cameras in and around the neighborhood on the morning of her murder. About the bike from those pictures being found to belong to him and found in his possession. Last week, we even delved into Hugh's apparent consciousness of guilt, specifically alleged efforts to lead investigators on a wild goose chase regarding his cell phone password. But none of this points to the elusive why. As information began trickling out through court hearings and indictments, things got a little bit clearer. We discovered Zach Hughes was a friend of John Mello, the father of Christina Parcell's young daughter. We also learned Mello and Parcell were in the midst of a caustic custody battle, one spanning back years. Could this be the beginning of our why? The more we learned about the who, what, where, and when of Zachary Hughes' life and the savage, ritualistic manner in which he is accused of murdering Parcell, the more potential ties we uncovered to John Mello. Is Mello connected to the murder of his ex-girlfriend, the mother of his child? And if so, did the motive for her death lie in those allegations that were leveled against both Parcell and her fiancé regarding the sexual exploitation of this young girl? Was Mello a father driven past the edge, who undertook a desperate bid to protect his daughter from harm? Maybe. But maybe not. And if such rage really was welling up inside of him, if he had indeed passed the breaking point, why not do the deed himself? And even more incredulously, if this was a two-person operation, why did Zachary Hughes agree to help him? If John Mello was somehow involved in Parcell's murder, why hasn't he been arrested? Why? 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 Are you ready to dive back in? Welcome back to Fitz Files, a true crime podcast hosted and produced by the news team at FitzNews.com. We're the crew that broke the Murdoch murders crime and corruption saga and America's Cheer Incorporated sex abuse scandal wide open. Fitz News is an independent, tenacious media outlet covering the intersection of crime, justice, politics, and corruption in South Carolina and beyond. I'm your host, Fitz Research Director Jen Wood. I'll be joined on this show by Dylan Nolan, founding editor Will Folks, who you just heard from, and the rest of our news team as we dive deeper into the stories that we cover on FitzNews.com. Fitz Files goes beyond the headlines, uncovering the facts, trying to decipher their meaning, and holding everyone involved accountable, including ourselves. We follow these stories no matter where they lead or who we piss off. Because on this podcast, it's not about agendas or egos. It's about seeking the truth and finding true justice. The horrific rose petal murder you're hearing about now is the first of many true crime stories we'll be covering this season. And our articles on FitzNews.com play a vital role in supporting these episodes. So, in addition to subscribing and reviewing this podcast, positively we hope, please do us one more favor. If you believe in the value of independent news organizations like this one, please support Fitz News by going to FitzNews.com and subscribing today. 
All the articles, documents, and sound clips referenced on the show are available for your review on FitzNews.com. Again, that's F-I-T-S-N-E-W-S.com. Thanks for tuning in and supporting our work. Now, back to the story of John Mello, the father of Christina Parcell's daughter, and the possible why behind the savage rose petal burner. 63-year-old John Mello is a music producer, lyricist, songwriter, and vocalist living in Greenville, South Carolina. On his LinkedIn profile page, he claims to have worked with several famous artists, including Elton John, The Rolling Stones, Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin, Christine McVeigh, Neil Young, Little Richard, and Jimmy Cliff. His resume is certainly impressive when it comes to music, assuming it's all legit. But while Mello's credits on records are a bit difficult to pin down, there is evidence he at the very least knows several internationally famous musicians like Paul Stanley of KISS. Assuming Mello's music producer chops are for real, what is he doing in South Carolina? Why would someone with those credits and connections settle in the middle of a social conservative bastion, the so-called buckle of the Bible Belt? If you're not from the Palmetto State, I can tell you, Greenville is certainly an up-and-coming city, and like a lot of cities in the so-called New South, its downtown has become a haven for progressives, much to the chagrin of the Republican suburbanites. But it's not exactly a music hub like other southern cities. It's no Nashville, Austin, Memphis, New Orleans, or even nearby Athens, Georgia. As we begin to tell John Miller's story, and how it intersects with the story of accused murderer Zach Hughes, it's important to point out that unlike a lot of subjects we cover, Mello has been in direct and potentially indirect communication with us for some time now, like on the record. To explain all this, here's Fitz News Research Director Jen Wood. John Mello has been emailing me for a year. At first, the emails came directly from him. Then similar sounding messages arrived from a group of so-called supporters known as the St. Anna, or later the St. Alex. According to these so-called supporter groups, they were sent on behalf of child protection advocates. More specifically, they claimed to come from individuals organized to expose the corruption tied to the Brad Post, Christina Parcell, child pornography, drug, and murder ring. Often, the correspondence would include evidence or speculation supporting Mello's version of the events surrounding Christina's murder. All of the messages advanced the theory that Mello, his daughter, and Zachary Hughes were victims of a massive conspiracy involving law enforcement and prosecutors responsible for investigating the crime. His first email to me read, Hello, I am John Mello. I am embroiled in the largest child pornography scandal in South Carolina history. My daughter's mother was Christina Parcell. Her fiance is Brad Post, both discovered to be child pornographers, uncovered when she was murdered. I was living in Italy at the time. My daughter was forced to temporarily return to the USA under a Hague order, though I had sole custody. The Greenville County Court has kept my child from me ever since, for over a year. My child was in some of the 60,000 photos and 800 videos, as were her little friends, with her own mother the deceased Christina Parcell. Next, an email from an alleged supporter described John Mello's plight pertaining to his child. And it read, law enforcement and the justice system failed Mr. Mello in 2018. 
His only recourse to save the child from pedophilia at the time was to flee with her to his family's native homeland, Italy. The justice system, the state of South Carolina, and the U.S. State Department all worked together and took his daughter from the safety of Italy and returned the minor child to the pedophiles he was trying to protect her from. Subsequent events have definitively and shockingly borne out of Mr. Mello's prudent and protective actions to protect his child in 2019. The events surrounding the murder of Christina Parcell on the 13th of October 2021 are complicated and the citizen believes the tentacles of the conspiracy run deep and wide. Another alleged supporter email, which sounds suspiciously like Mello, tried to shift the focus of our investigation to Christina's sister, Tina Parcell. This one read, It's a cover-up. Why has she not been charged with murder of child porn, cocaine possession, when all of this took place in her residence? If your journalism is from the heart, you will expose these facts as children's lives remain in danger, as long as the mastermind behind the child porn ring in the murder is free. Mello is fighting as his own lawyer in family court. He is fighting pedophiles. Help him. A conspiracy to frame Mello and Hughes for murder, the sexual abuse of children, and allegations of drug abuse all wrapped up in a drama with international intrigue. He seems to be pulling out all of the stops to engage elaborate alternative theories and to have these theories surface in media reports. Which brings us back to one fundamental question about the person concocting these diatribes. Who is John Mello? According to a name change petition filed in Greenville County Court in 2019, John Joseph Mello, now known as John Joey Mello, was born on August 8, 1960 in Cambridge, Massachusetts. His social security card was issued in 1973 when he was 13 years old in California. According to a 1999 article in the Los Angeles Times, John Mello met and began dating Linda Jemison back in 1983. Six years later, the couple decided to open a bar that would be a musician's hangout. They found a place called the Doll Hut that was on the market and bought it for $32,500. The money for the doll hut came from Linda Jemison's mother and her stepfather, who was a physician. A rustic roadhouse built in the early 1900s, the doll hut had catered to blue-collar workers for decades, but it wasn't exactly known for live music. Still, the bar's great name, its bright neon sign, and rustic exterior drew the young couple in, and they were also fascinated by its connection to rock and roll including the Pontiac Brothers, who hung out there for the cheap beer and paid it tribute during the mid-1980s with a song and album entitled Doll Hut. One week before the bar opened on August 4, 1989, John Mello and Linda Jemison married. Just nine months later, though, the two separated, beginning a long, drawn-out, bitter divorce. For a while, John and Linda ran the bar together, but separately. John would run the bar some nights, and when he wasn't there, Linda would be there to manage it. The loyalties of their growing patronage also seemed split. Some regulars would only go on nights where they saw Linda's red escort in the parking lot, while others would go nights when John Mello's white Cadillac was there. The arrangement obviously wasn't a viable long-term solution, especially as the relationship between John and Linda continued to deteriorate. 
On, on November 18, 1991, the situation came to a head when Linda filed a motion for a restraining order in California court. According to that filing, her soon-to-be ex-husband was coming unhinged, and she was becoming afraid for her safety. The petition and affidavits filed to support the motion describe an escalating pattern of threats and a scared woman on their receiving end. In her petition, Linda said that for years, John Mello had threatened her family. She claimed the frequency and intensity of these threats increased after she told him she'd filed for a dissolution of their marriage. At the Bell Hut on November the 12th, 1991, she said Mello threw a briefcase at her. Hitting me in the chest, she said. Mello also threw ashtrays at me, hitting me in various places. On November the 13th, 1990, she reported this incident to the Anaheim Police Department. Linda was trying to move on with her life. She stated in the report that she'd begun seeing a man named Steve. She was spending time with Steve at his residence in Long Beach when Mello telephoned her on the evening of November the 13th, 1991. According to the incident report, Mello boasted that he'd gotten Steve's number and address from another resident. The filing also alleged Mello telephoned Steve at his workplace and threatened to physically harm him. According to Linda, on November the 14th, 1991, Mello telephoned her twice at her residence. In the first call, he threatened to put Steve in a shallow grave. In the second call, Mello said, I'll stick my gun in your mouth and blow your fucking brains out. Linda reported this to the Orange Police Department, who advised her to apply for a restraining order. Amplifying her concerns, Linda said Mello had two guard dogs at his residence, as well as numerous firearms, a shotgun, a 22, and two 45 caliber automatic handguns. Mello carried these weapons with him at all times, including one he kept in the small of his back. According to Linda, this firearm was not registered, and Mello did not have a permit to carry a concealed weapon. In January of 1991, Linda said Mello threatened to have her mother raped. The family reported this alleged threat to the Fullerton Police Department. In addition to Linda's relationship with Steve, the money the couple borrowed from Linda's stepfather seemed to anger Mello. According to her, Mello repeatedly called her stepfather and threatened to have him shot, beat up, and dismantled. Linda asked her attorneys to file the petition for a restraining order ex parte, so Mello would not have any notice of it. She was afraid for the safety of herself, her friends, and her family if he found out about it. The affidavits filed in support of Linda's petition appeared to substantiate her claims. The man hired to work the door at the doll hut stated Mello carried a 45 caliber handgun while at the bar and often displayed it in a threatening manner. The same man stated he had witnessed Mello shoot a hole through the counter of the bar and also affirmed he'd rejected an offer from Mello to purchase an untraceable gun. A patron and band member who played at the doll hut also stated in their affidavits that Mello was known to use a taser or stun gun on people at the bar, sometimes for fun. 
In all, eight affidavits were filed in support of Linda's petition for a restraining order. And all of the individuals who filed these affidavits were afraid of the same thing. John Mello. In September of 1992, Linda took control of the club, assuming $20,000 in debts and repair expenses. She renamed it Linda's Doll Hut, sending a clear message to the patrons she'd lost due to her now ex-husband's erratic behavior. Now I want you to consider all of these dramatics as you consider the following message from Mello, in which he accused the lead investigator victim's advocate and guardian ad litem in his child custody case of wrongdoing. The behavior seems familiar given what we now know about the accuser and his past antics. The message contains seismic allegations against the lead investigator, allegations that go a long way towards trying to create an alternative narrative in this case. Because these allegations are so damning, and because they have yet to be accompanied by any supporting documentation, the name of the accused has been removed. Quote, The lead investigator of child sex crimes for the Greenville County Sheriff's Office had a sexual relationship with the deceased homicide victim, Christina Parcell. A complaint was filed against him regarding this misconduct, yet strangely, GCSO Internal Affairs permitted him to self-investigate the allegations. Unsurprisingly, he found that he had engaged in no wrongdoing or misconduct. He failed to investigate claims of child sexual abuse and apparently, in exchange for sexual favors, instead arrested John Mello for harassment. These charges were dropped, but the harm has been done. He had a relationship with the deceased and her fiancé, Brad Post. They knew each other. He was the responding officer to a mailing that Christina Parcell received in September 2021, just weeks before the murder. That mailing reportedly had allegations of Parcell's prostitution activity, but that cannot be verified. End quote. Oddly specific claims that cannot be verified. That sums up the emails from Mello and his supposed associates in a nutshell. At some point between 1992 and 1995, John Mello found love again with a woman named Cassandra. In another bizarre note to this story, Cassandra Mello was also involved in a murder case. She testified against her ex-husband, Kenneth Raymond, who was facing murder charges in the slaying of his half-brother in Lake Elsinore, California. Cassandra testified against Raymond, and he was ultimately found guilty based in large part on her testimony. From there, John Mello and his new wife moved to Oregon, then to Savannah, then finally to Greenville, South Carolina in 2004. A slew of police reports documented the Mello family's move to the Palmetto State. In 2005, Cassandra Mello called the Greenville County Sheriff's Department, seeing a real estate deal involving her husband and an acquaintance named Jason had fallen through. According to Cassandra, Jason had kept the money and they had hired an attorney to get it back. During this process, the Mellows claimed Jason was harassing them, allegedly sitting in front of their mailbox and glaring menacingly at them. At one point during this dust-up, Mello was accused of unlawfully using a telephone, but no charges were filed. In 2007, another complaint was filed against Mello for unlawful phone usage. This time, an employee with Piedmont Natural Gas of Greenville reported that Mello called the company in a rage after a service had been discontinued for non-payment. 
Mello wanted the te- gas technician fired immediately. He said he had a multi-million dollar business in the city, was from Brooklyn, and had friends in high places in the government. He told the supervisor if his gas wasn't turned back on, it won't be a pretty sight, and that he would make life so miserable they would not know what happened to them. According to the report, Mello went so far as to say as he would, quote, disrupt Piedmont Natural Gas's main facility, end quote. Despite the threatening nature of these comments, no charges were filed against Mello, and the complaint against him was eventually dismissed. In August of 2014, a man named Bobby Dorn walked into the Greenville County Sheriff's Department and filed a complaint of harassment against John Mello. According to Dorn, a year earlier, Mello had inquired about a job as a music producer at Dorn's recording studio in Greenville. He didn't get the gig. Shortly thereafter, Posts containing negative information about the studio began to appear from Mello and others on Facebook. Soon, harassing Facebook messages and emails allegedly began to pour in. The deputy who took Dorn's complaint reviewed these messages and determined they contained threats of bodily harm and attempted blackmail. He also noted that while they came from a variety of different names, they all appeared to originate from the same source, John Mello. In fact, according to the report, the harassment of businesses and individuals by Mello was so widespread and well-known in Greenville, there was a Facebook group dedicated to exposing it. The name of that group? Operation Melodrama. In this case, though, Mello had chosen an easy target. After determining that much of the negative information being spread about Dorn was related to his status as a registered sex offender, Greenville deputies told him they were unable to press charges against Mello. In May of 2015, Cassandra Mello filed for divorce from her husband, John Mello. That divorce was finalized in August of that same year. And while it's unknown exactly when or how John Mello met Christina Parcell, in 2016, the first of many incident reports listing both of their names was filed with the Greenville Sheriff's Office. In that report, Mello accused Parcell of domestic violence. At the time of this incident report, Mello indicated he and Parcell had a four-year-old daughter together, which would mean she was born at least a couple years prior to his divorce from Cassandra. After the 2016 domestic violence report, things continued to go downhill between Mello and Parcell, with the drama always centering around the same topic, their young daughter. Here's Jen again with the emails from Mello himself. Perhaps the ending of Mello's first email to me does the most thorough job of summarizing his stance as a victim of sinister forces, law enforcement, and a corrupt system. Listeners are encouraged to take it with the proverbial grain of salt. Quote, Christina was murdered in the home of her sister where they all lived at 122 Canebrake Street, Greer, South Carolina, which backed up the Thornblade. For eight months, the sheriff's incident report of the murder scene was covered up to assist Christina's sister in her attempt to try and get custody of my daughter. When I returned to the USA to get my child, I was arrested for custodial interference, a crime not applicable to a parent with full custody. Moreover, their main witness was deceased. My friend Zach Hughes, a man who is a Juilliard graduate concert pianist who had never met Christina Parcell, was framed and arrested for the murder. I have a lot of evidence. Corruption. This is all the tip of the iceberg. 
I've met multiple times with federal law enforcement from three agencies at their request. They advised me to double my security and if I was pulled over by any law enforcement, to drive to a crowded area full of witnesses. I would like to sit and talk with you and go step by step. It is likely the biggest story of corruption you will encounter. Murder, child porn, millions of dollars, conspiracy, animal buggery, cover-ups. Trust me. Please hear this story. I need a bright light shined on this to save my daughter. End quote. In the next episode of Fitz Files, we'll explore the relationship between John Mello and Christina Parcell and the custody battle leading up to Parcell's brutal murder on October 13, 2021.